Tēnā no mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and you're listening to Animal Matters. The 50th anniversary of the Silver Collar Greyhound race took place in Auckland recently, which revealed cruelty and dodgy betting, which is now under investigation. And the ban Live Exports International Awareness Day came and went with little news from the government about progress towards our ban on the export of livestock by sea. Questions raised by Green MP Chloe Swarbrick have revealed that the government's progress towards a phase-out have been slow. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals. We release new episodes every week, so make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animal matters. This year was the 50th anniversary of the Silver Collar Race, which was held in Auckland on June 13. It's been described as the Melbourne Cup of Greyhound Racing. The organisers describe it as, and I quote, a gruelling and stamina-sapping affair raced over an extreme 779 metres. That's twice as long as any typical greyhound race. For the dogs that reached the finals, it's the equivalent of a human running back-to-back marathons on consecutive weekends. The prize is made of solid silver. It's a collar and was donated by Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh in 1970. The winning dog earns the right to momentarily wear the collar before it's taken back and stored in the Auckland Greyhound Racing Club's bank vault for the other 364 days of the year. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. What a prize. The silver collar race has been no stranger to controversy. In 2015, a dog tested positive for doping after winning the silver collar. Despite the greyhound racing industry coming under tremendous pressure in recent months, And the further scrutiny while the government's review of greyhound racing is underway, the races went ahead. In the final race of the meeting, the dog Federal Morgan broke his leg. To make matters worse, he shouldn't have even been racing, and his inclusion in the final race is controversial even within the greyhound racing community. Federal Morgan was considered a star performer whose trainer Lisa Cole made a late withdrawal of three other dogs so Morgan could run in the final. He was expected to win and his winnings would have been far greater than the $600 fine for the late withdrawals of the other dogs. Other trainers were incensed that officials allowed Lisa Cole to stack the race in her favour. Furthermore, a race official was stood down and is now being investigated for wagering bets during the meeting. Given all this, it's no surprise the public has little trust in greyhound racing at the moment. At one of the most prestigious races of the year, trainers were bending rules and officials were making dodgy bets. But that behaviour pales in comparison to the pain and anguish Federal Morgan will now be enduring. His future is currently unknown. Having broken his leg, I think it's unlikely he will race again. That should mean he'll enter Greyhound Racing New Zealand's rehoming program. A welcome relief, you might think, for a dog that's never known a life outside of racing to have a chance at a domestic life on the couch. Last week, though, newsroom.co.nz published a piece from PhD student Emily Stevens, Dr Tom Baker and Associate Professor Nick Lewis, all from the School of Environments in the Faculty of Science, University of Auckland. 
Dar studying the Greyhound Racing Industry's rehoming program, in which they interviewed Greyhound Racing Industry insiders and rehoming practitioners. You should go and read the full article, because I can't include all of it here, and it's an amazing piece of work. But what it suggests is that rehoming might not offer a clear-cut solution to the welfare issues facing the greyhound racing industry. What they described is how poorly equipped many ex-racing greyhounds are to cope with the expectations placed on them as companion animals. Most racing greyhounds live in outdoor single-occupancy kennels. One insider said in some cases for up to 23 hours a day. As a result, they miss out on their critical learning period, and many lack the social skills necessary to integrate into family life. They also alleged that Greyhound Racing New Zealand has taken an unofficial no-kill stance. Unsuitable dogs are no longer euthanised, but labelled red and transported to a rehoming kennel facility that the industry has recently partnered with. The study participants voiced concerns about the welfare of dogs housed at these kennels, with one describing the kennels as being like a hoarder's place, and that some dogs have been there for years. According to the study authors, these unsuitable and unwanted greyhounds, no longer useful as racing dogs, but not suitable for domestic life, pose a problem that the industry cannot rehome its way out of. Last Monday was Ban Live Exports International Awareness Day a day for people around the world to pressure their governments to end the live export trade. While the export of livestock by sea is set to end in Aotearoa, the government has yet to announce the date by which the trade will be phased out. In April, Agriculture Minister Damien O'Connor said the trade would cease following a transition period of up to two years. There have been no further updates though, and questions to the minister submitted by Green MP Chloe Swarbrick revealed the future is still uncertain for live exports. In his answers to Swarbrick, the agriculture minister said he's aware some companies, including exporters, farmers and quarantine facilities, have long-term contractual arrangements for the export of livestock by sea that extends beyond two years. This goes some way to explaining why live export lobbyists are pushing for the phase-out period to be extended or dropped altogether. He also said that he's been provided with preliminary advice on the time required for the domestic industry exporters and importers to wind down their existing commitments. No final time frame has been decided by Cabinet yet though, and in fact the Minister hasn't even taken the paper to Cabinet yet on the finalised phase-out period. If it sounds opaque... That's because it is. The minister was careful not to give away too much in his responses to those written questions. So for now, it's business as usual. And business is booming. At the time of recording, which is Friday the 18th of June, there are two ships en route to Napier Port in Ahuridi, the Mysora and Yangtze Harmony. Over 15,000 cars have been exported from Ahuridi Port so far this year, more than double the number of cars exported from the port during the same six-month period last year. The Mysore has a dark history as well. In 2018, animal welfare inspectors investigated the ship while it was docked in Fremantle, Australia. The inspection found that manure had turned into a slippery liquid slurry, and cows were trampled and unable to regain their footing as a result. We haven't had any guarantees that the 2018 horror story on board that same ship won't be repeated with our animals. And in any case, all animals exported will at some point endure some kind of suffering. 
and with further delays to phase out this trade by the government, that suffering is set to continue. The export of fins cut from sharks was a practice that I had actually thought no longer occurred in New Zealand waters, but it turns out the truth is a bit more complex. Last week, the New Zealand Herald revealed that Aotearoa has been exporting 13 tonnes of shark fins each year since 2014. That was when shark finning was banned, which is where sharks are caught, the fins removed and their bodies discarded back into the ocean. But new figures obtained by the Herald from Seafood NZ show that 9 tonnes of shark fins were sent to Singapore last year, and a further four and a half tons were exported to the Pacific Islands. While shark finning is banned, it still remains legal for sharks caught as bycatch to be finned onshore and the fins sold to foreign markets. For it to be legal, the fins must still be attached to the shark's body when it is bought onshore. Because of inconsistent monitoring, it's impossible to know how much of the 13 tons of fins came from shark legally caught and finned. Without compulsory onboard cameras, it's unlikely we'll ever know the full scale of the situation. Last year, the government announced it would spend between $40 million and $60 million to roll out cameras on commercial fishing vessels, with the goal of 345 cameras installed by the end of 2024. This would account for about 84% of the inshore fleet. But that's only a tiny fraction of Aotearoa's full commercial fishing fleet, which is made up of 1,500 registered vessels. Either way, it's abhorrent that shark finning is allowed to continue. We've banned finning live sharks where their bodies are discarded, yet sharks caught as bycatch get a free pass. Green MP and former Conservation Minister Eugenie Sage said these rules were Aotearoa's dirty little secret. For our last story today... The European Union is set to soar past Aotearoa in terms of its treatment of layer hens. In a resolution adopted with overwhelming support from members, the European Parliament has urged the European Commission to ban the caging of all farmed animals across the EU by 2027. This will mean an eventual end to the caging of hens in the egg industry. This will have the rest of the EU join Switzerland, Luxembourg, Germany, Denmark, Slovakia, Austria, the Czech Republic and parts of Belgium who have already banned or are in the process of phasing out colony cages. In the United States, nine states have also banned the sale and production of cage eggs. But there's still no sign that Aotearoa will follow suit. A 2020 Colmar Brunton survey found that 76% of Kiwis were opposed to the caging of hens. So one can hope that our political leaders will take notice of the resolution. The world is moving away from confining animals in cages. After farrying crates are phased out, layer hens will be the only farmed animals left in cages in Aotearoa. It's time we got them out. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Applebeam. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, of course, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, mate wa. 